And the high road is not choosing between the good and the bad. Anybody can do that. You can do that without God. But the high road is choosing between the good and the best, and always choosing the best. Welcome back to the Baptist Friends Podcast with Dr. Clarence Sexton, where we gather around truth, friendship, and world evangelism. We'll pray together and get started. Let's pray, will we? Our Father, we thank Thee for this day for the opportunity to talk about your work. Help us to be at our best for thee. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What would you say if I told you that 75% of the American population, meaning 75% of 320-something million people, live in small towns, What would you say to that? In small towns. And then I ask you a question. What is a small town? I'm going to give you statistical things and just let you think about it just for a moment. In the last census, the Census Bureau concluded that we have 328 million people in America. 76% of them, that's 76% of the 328 million, live in small towns in America. A small town. Approximately uh, 100, excuse me, 19,500 cities have less than 500. Or 5,000 people in them, small towns. I'm trying to get across to someone that if we're going to evangelize America, we're going to do the work God's given us to do, we can't neglect small towns. We're going to have to give meaning to small towns and get our hearts set upon small towns. Uh, When I was in Greenback, Tennessee, I was the first church I pastored was in Greenback, Tennessee. There were less than 500 people in the whole place. And it it was its own town of Greenback. And today it's grown to over 1,000 people. That's 50 years. But we believe that we ought to evangelize that town. And uh, I brought some people with me here today to talk about evangelizing small towns in America. I'm going to see how far we can get with it. Uh, Because the idea is that a church, an established church, a church that is functioning, uh, could be an instrument in God's hands to evangelize a town. when you think about your own town, think about where you came from a town, uh, how many of you came from a small town? Yeah, a small town. And uh, Max, I want you to sit over here where we can talk just a minute. Uh, Max Yama is going 
to Key West, Florida. And are we ready? And uh, he believes God wants him to go there to do the Lord's work. And so he's going to try to evangelize that town and other keys. But it's a small town that needs to be reached with the gospel. We need to talk about our responsibility and who does this, who's responsible to do this. Now, we are apt to say we want to create a mission organization and assign to that mission organization the responsibility to do that. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Local churches should be taking on this responsibility. There are people in your church that could choose a small town. And in that small town, they could begin to pray over that small town. It may be a town located near yours, or it may be an adjoining town. It may be something that is from your past that you're burdened for, and you maybe spent some time there in childhood, or whatever the case may be, and you know that people there need the Lord. Everybody needs the Lord. And we're trying to put an emphasis on small towns and evangelizing small towns in America. I want you to tell us a little bit about Key West, Florida. You grew up there. Yes, sir. So I was born and raised in the southernmost point of the continental United States, and that is Key West, Florida. And uh, my family is actually fifth generation conks, is what they would call you down there. And that means for five generations... You look like a conk. <laughs> for five generations, my family was born and raised down there in a very unusual place, a place that people typically think that's, that's a vacation place. That's a place where people go and spend a few days. But they were born and raised down there, and there's 30,000 people who live year-round on the island of Key West. And um, I grew up there, came to know the Lord, and um, met my wife, Madison Yama, and uh, we went to a public university in Florida for several years and did some work there. And then God guided us and led us to the Crown College of the Bible and Temple Baptist Church, where we've spent the last nearly eight years of our life. And it has been the thrill and privilege and honor of our life. And um, God opened the door for us for the last five years for both my wife and I to be able to work together and assisting Pastor Sexton here in the ministries. And now God, we, we sense, my wife and I, that God is calling us to go back to our hometown. I grew up there and for my whole life, I never once heard of a vacation Bible school. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Never heard of a Christian camp, never heard of Sunday school buses, never heard of Bible clubs, none of those things. And so I'm so grateful now that God is calling my family to go back and to take the truthful things that are found in the Word of God, the things that God has used, that Jesus Christ himself has set in motion through a local New Testament church, and to go down there. And my father and my mother, who both know the Lord and um, God has used in a great way, have been a part of planting a church there on the island of Key West. It's been just over one year. And they've been faithfully serving God, seeing the Lord do amazing things, getting the gospel preached to the city, people's lives being transformed. 
people coming to Christ, being baptized. And so my wife and I um, are following the Lord, and we're going to go back down to Key West and work there with my family and um, see that church established. And what God has put in our heart is to see churches started all throughout the Florida Keys in South Florida. There's 80,000 people who live in the combined Florida Keys. Now that's 120 miles of little islands connected by series of bridges. And the great thing is this, that there are people there, people that Almighty God made, people that the Lord Jesus Christ died for and desires to be His own. And so we know the way God does His work in this world is through local bodies of believers, through local New Testament churches. And so with the Lord helping us, um, we plan to go down there and to see the Lord work through this New Testament church. Do you know, early on in ministry, and I've been doing it for over half a century, everybody thought about the great cities. If you weren't going to Chicago or if you weren't going to Los Angeles or you weren't going to Dallas or Atlanta or Miami, uh, if you weren't going to a great city, a big city, then uh, you weren't really doing God's work the way God wanted it done. But while we've been emphasizing reaching the cities, and we need to reach the cities, we have neglected the small towns in America. And not only in America, but small towns all over the world. Many people find their home in a community of people in a small town. In a small town, sometimes they have one newspaper that can be to all the people. In a, maybe in a small town, they have one radio station and uh, it broadcasts to all the people. And uh, sometimes there's one uh, high school, one middle school in a small town. But they, they can be reached. They can be, the gospel can be reached out to all those people in a small town. And we're trying to start something, uh, a revolution, back to the right way of doing things evangelizing the small towns in America. Amen. And every pastor and every church could get a burden, a concern for a small town. You don't have to have a, a mission organization do that. We could help one another. We could pray for one another. But your church could say, by God's grace, we're going to evangelize a small town. And in doing so, we would win people to the Lord. We'd establish a New Testament church and get those kinds of things done. So, what, what is needed in your, in your small town? What's needed in your small town? Well, the gospel is what is needed, and uh, many people there have never been confronted, ever, um, someone giving them the gospel and telling them what the Lord has done. And of course, a local New Testament church is what's needed. I read just recently a story that... Um, was told by W.A. Criswell in one of the books that he's written. And of course, Pastor Sexton encouraged me to read this particular book. And um, he had gone, and, and during his, his preaching ministry, he went on a worldwide tour preaching the gospel all over the world. And there was a time when the opportunity was given for him to preach the gospel in Japan to tens of thousands of people at one time. And according to his own testimony, he said that was one of the greatest meetings he'd ever been a part of. And of course, there's translators and people there. But 10,000 people who were looking for answers to life's most important questions gathered there. 
And a man of God with the Bible and with the gospel is able to open the word of God and preach the truth to them. And at the conclusion of the service, he said hundreds, maybe even thousands of those people came forward and were dealt with and given the gospel and made a profession of faith in Christ. And at the conclusion of all that, some of them wanted to get to him and ask him questions. And they asked if that would be okay. He said, sure, that would be fine. And he said, time and time again, the people asked one question. They said, now that we've made this decision, now that we've learned about this Savior and we've received Jesus and we want to be followers of Jesus, what's next? What do we do now? And Chriswell, in his own words, said what was the most exciting and thrilling of experience he's ever seen became companioned with heartbreak. And he began thinking so much of what these people need. So many of the things that I know to tell them of what is next is wrapped up in a local New Testament church. And as far as he knew, there was none there at that time. And so it's just a, such a great reminder of the power of, of, a, of a New Testament church. It's the way God does his work in this world. And it's what we're praying to see God do in my hometown there. Well, a church can be planted. And not only can a church be planted, churches can plant churches in those small towns of America. Your church, your ministry can get a heart to begin to pray. You can help publish the literature necessary. You can help provide the labor force necessary uh, to reach that small town with the gospel. And uh, that effort should be done. Uh, well, years ago, I, I thought about a particular organization, a mission organization, that had been working on college campuses. And uh, I, I, I always admired Bill Bright and I still do, he's with the Lord now, for his visionary work and wanting to get the gospel to people. But after all his life, they were in a little over 300 college campuses. Well, there are thousands of college campuses. They took that organization, and from that organization, they built the Campus Crusade for Christ ministry. And I admire them. I admire for the, for the work they did and the gospel they got out to people. But what if local churches had been trained to reach the college campus in their town? What if the local church had a ministry in that town? Then everywhere there is a college campus, you can find a local church with a burden to reach that local college campus. And then the students in that college campus who come to know Christ as Savior could be able to be discipled in that local church. Well, that's, that's sort of what I'm saying to you. If, if we look across our nation, 50 states, all these counties, nearly 3,200 counties, and, but within the counties, the 3,200 counties of America, 75% uh, of the American population live in a small town. Think of that. 75% of the American population, uh, 300 and nearly 30 million people live in a small town. And that small town can be reached with the gospel. A church can be planted. And a church can do that. Your church could build a pioneer team. And that pioneer team could begin to pray for your small town. And that pioneer team could take on that small town. It would be the most exciting thing you've ever done in your life. It would be the most challenging and most exciting thing your people have ever done to say we're going to go to that small town and establish a church, get the gospel to people there, 
And we would have a real revolution of God's work in America if churches existing now would take on small towns as a, as a, a mission field to reach those small towns with the gospel. That's all I'm trying to say. We need to reach the small towns of America. And uh, uh, Mr. Tim Carter is with us. Tim, I want you to come and take a seat over here with me, please. And uh, Tim Cart was on the mission field in Venezuela for many years. Married a beautiful Venezuelan girl. He's back here helping us, reaching people all over the country. And uh, but uh, what, what's on your heart when we, when we talk about this type of thing, reaching the small towns of America? Well, I did grow up in a small town in West Virginia, actually in a coal camp. And um, I have uh, a burden uh, for that area. And I know uh, the coal camp I grew up in, probably less than 200 people now live there. In the small town of Sophia as well, Stotesbury, Big Stick, McAlpin, Tams, all of those coal camp areas. And I know some pastors that are working there to evangelize them. But the Lord has put on my heart not only a burden uh, for the small towns, but to encourage the pastors to look in their own church. In Acts chapter 13, God's word says, now in the church that was at Antioch. And in the church, we can see that God is looking to call forth laborers. Just let me share a brief testimony. When God called me to preach, I grew up in a, not an independent Baptist church, never heard the Bible taught or preached. Started going to an independent Baptist church that didn't have a pastor, and they called a great man of God. And he began to preach the Bible. First time I heard the Bible preached and taught, been for many years in church. And then he hired a youth pastor, and we heard the Bible taught and preached from him. God just worked in my life. And God gave me the desire to preach. It came from him. My father's a coal miner. And I didn't know I was supposed to tell anyone that God had called me to preach. And we have a small church. And I remember just going forward, Dr. Charles King preached the message about Hannah giving back Samuel to the Lord, and God just confirmed that in my heart. I went forward in the service. My youth pastor came near me and said, Tim, why are you at the altar? I said, God's called me to preach. And, boy, he was excited. Most every, everyone wasn't excited about it, but uh, he was excited. A few weeks later, a dear friend of mine, Fred Hart, was called to preach in that church. And that pastor, uh, Pastor Wayne Holder, small church, and I began to hang around him, and he was really involved in scripture printing and ministry and things and wanted to get that going. And I heard him speaking to pastors. He said, we need men of God to come to West Virginia. They're never going to have more than maybe 100 people in their church and 200 people in their church. But there's a great opportunity here where they can get involved in other ministries and he, uh, the Lord led him to really establish that scripture ministry. And I don't know how many millions of Bibles and portions of scripture he got out around the world. And many churches in West Virginia were involved in that because of his ministry. But I remember that testimony. And the fact is, no one expected God to call any preachers out of that church. And they weren't even looking in the church for someone to be called. But God did it. And praise the Lord for that. And I believe in our churches, there are people God wants to call. Uh, uh, to be sent to these small towns. And as pastors, uh, may God just give you a greater burden to pray for laborers and identify those that are called and determine you're going to develop them and help them get out. And we have an, a, uh, an open door today to get the gospel to 
just across the street, across the county, across the state. And if we seek the Lord with all of our heart, we're going to see those laborers called, and your church will have the opportunity to send them out. No doubt about it. Do you know, we can easily get statistical things about our country. And nothing is real until it's personal. You may say, how many small towns are in our state? Or how many small towns can I find information about? But there are natural feelings, burdens, and concerns that people have in every local church for some small town that needs the gospel. And your church can adopt a town and make that town the object of their prayers and their mission and their gospel effort. And you could see a real revolution of God's work through your local church by taking on a small town as your project. And just thinking about it, thinking above what you're doing there. I know how it is. Sometimes we get lost in responsibilities that we have but our people are looking for that adventure and it needs to be done there's no doubt I was born in Selma Alabama and a long way from Tennessee but I know I have feelings about certain parts of Alabama that is still part of my childhood well I wonder how many of those towns do not have a Bible preaching Bible believing church we can define what that is. We can define what kind of church it needs to be and what kind of church it would be if we were doing it. And we're, we're reproducing what we are. And uh, I think it's been too long. I appreciate everybody that's been saved. I appreciate everybody that's gotten the gospel out. I appreciate every missionary effort. But this is something where individual churches, each church could say, uh, we're going to tackle an area a small town, that's our small town, that's our place of burden, and we're going to reach them with the gospel. So do you have, do you have a small town like that? That's what I'm thinking about. What else would you like to add? Well, I would just um, begin with children. You know, I spent 13 years in Venezuela, and when we started planting churches, I knocked on 3,000 doors, and I think I had one lady that trusted Christ as her Savior. And I realized that um, we're going to have to really work with children. And uh, we started reaching children. I'm talking about 10, 11, 12-year-old children. As you work with them, it got established there. And the Lord, of course, gave fruit. And you're able to organize these new believers and see them baptized and organize the church. By the time we did that, those children were adolescents and teenagers and we started working with the teenagers, and then in just in a few years, they were in a Bible institute. And then from that, those teenagers began to be the Sunday school teachers. Those teenagers began to uh, really get involved in different ministries and things like that. And I realized, even just reach when we got there, I thought that wow, we're going to reach some men, and they're going to be the they're going to start taking up offerings. They're going to be Sunday school teachers. They're going to be leaders. And I realized it didn't work that way. Uh, God wanted us to reach down to children and to teenagers and get them involved in ministry, and they, they rose up. God called them, and today, uh, one of those young girls is a missionary in Ecuador, and uh, one of the young men is uh, leading the Bible Institute there. They have about 300 students, and then uh, another young man's a, a pastor there, and it's a lot of them just serving the Lord there because they were reached when they were 10, 11, or 12 years old. So I would look to children, 
in your church and in your community and think helping them go through the transition from childhood to adolescence, from adolescence to teenagers and to young adults, and help them realize that God has a great purpose for them and make sure they know God's word. And I would see them raised up to reach your community and the small towns around your area with well, the gospel. Well, let's, let's go back to the basics. Yeah. Whose responsibility is it to reach people? Okay, the responsibility is the church, is the local church, is a pastor-led local church. And God has told the church, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And uh, the pastor is the one. I always say the pastors are God's key men for world evangelism. Some people, if they're traditionally thinking traditionally, they're going to say, yeah, he's the guy that's going to make sure we get support and finances and everything going. But what I mean by that is God wants to use that pastor. In Acts chapter 13, you see some key things in verses 1 through 3. You see leadership, spiritual leadership. You see a local church. You see a, a ministry to the Lord. You see prayer and fasting. And you see them sending out people who God called. And all that's within the local church, but the pastor is going to have to have a burden and he's going to have to seek God's face and get direction from the Lord and give that and teach that to, to that local church and help them to become obedient to God's command. Well, the local church is the pillar and ground of the truth. It's the body of Christ on this earth. And we, we I think what I'm trying to do, uh, someone said, well, what dynamic thing are you going to share with us today? The truth is the most dynamic thing is that local church and what that local church could do. Just think if your church came to the decision that you were going to pray and train people to train other people to take on your small town, whatever your small town is, your, your town that you choose to evangelize, and that's your town. And if we had a hundred churches doing that or a thousand churches doing that, those, those local churches could evangelize those small towns, establish Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches, and get God's work done. We have a conference. I want you to write it down. We have a conference October the 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th. We call it the International Baptist Friends Conference. And I would love to see people coming with a team from their church this is our pioneering team, our New Testament church pioneer team. And this is the team we've trained to, to work from our church to this little town or small town. And we want to evangelize this small town. These are the people we've trained to help us evangelize a small town. And it won't just be that team. You may have four or five people that you, that you lean on to help you get that done. But your entire church will get involved in it. Every person should be involved in it. Every person. And once that begins to take hold and we see that each church is responsible for evangelizing a small town and it can be done. It's a goal that can be reached. And may God help us to do it. And the time is running out, but we need to do it. We need to get a burden. Let me tell you one illustration. A lot of the pastors uh, 20 years ago in Venezuela were very young men. And I met a pastor who was an, an older man. And I said, strange that you being an older man or a pastor, most of the young men here, uh, are pa uh, most of the pastors are young men. And he said, well, I was at the town plaza. He's from a very small town in Venezuela. And he said, a young boy walked by him one day and looked up at him and said, are you my father? 
And he said, no, son. And he said, are you sure you're not my father? He said, no, son. And he said that he took the boy and bought him some candy, and he said, God touched his heart. He said, I've got to do something for my country. I've got to do something for my town. And uh, he's planted three churches himself and travels around to a lot of countries. I don't know how old he is now, but uh, he wasn't a young man back then. But we have to get a burden, and uh, God will give you a burden, and from that, God's going to do something. Would you agree with this, that we appreciate everything Every mission organization is doing. We're not here to condemn them or to say anything negative about them. But if, if we got a hold of this principle that churches plant churches and churches could evangelize small towns, that church could evangelize a small town and maybe another small town, another, another, another small town, and they could encourage others to evangelize a small town. And we're talking about the fields of white and the harvest in the small towns in America. Yeah, you have to get off, uh, off of the mature church wavelength. Let me explain that. You have a radio, you have FM and AM. And mature church talk and thinking and planning is maintaining. I mean, I can imagine, <laughs> you know, uh, you're thinking, hey, I've got to get a new Sunday school teacher. I've got to get this bus running. I've got to get the, the lights paid for and many times in the, in, in the ministry, I know what you do, Pastor. You're, you're on the FM channel, and you're in the maintaining. You're going forward. But when you talk about new, the New Testament advance of God, it's a whole different talk, a whole different vocabulary, a whole different way. And if you allow traditional, the traditional missions and things to control your talk, you're going to talk with a mature church mentality. And you're going to talk about how to just to maintain a traditional system but when you get to the a.m. where you begin to talk about the advance with God a new work uh, new people need to be reached people in my town have never heard the gospel you uh, we stop talking about buildings and we stop talking about uh, uh, having to have facilities and having to have uh, so much uh, support and we have to have so much backing just say listen we, we we're a New Testament church we have the Bible we have the gospel and uh, we need to go over there and get the gospel to them. And this is a new work. It changes your vocabulary, your thinking, and everything. I learned that by an evangelist, uh, Larry Clayton. We were down, he came down to Venezuela, and we're in a small town that had no church. Well, he got up in the middle of the town and started calling everybody to him. And we sang, we sang some songs. We had someone translating. And he stood up and screamed out, we're here with the gospel. And he preached the gospel. And then he screamed out, we're going to plant a church in this city. Someone here wants a church here. Does anyone here have a house or anything? Raise your hand, and we'll come and talk to you, and maybe we'll be able to plant the church with you. And this little old lady raised her hand. And uh, sure enough, she went through, if you know anything about the history of Venezuela, in 2000, they had a, had a horrific event. Over 200,000 people were swept out into the ocean, and she was one of the displaced people in that small town opened up her house. We started a Bible study there. Some of those converts, uh, many of those converts went with a young man that was preparing to plant a church close to that area. And he did go and plant that church. And I always see pictures of it on Facebook. They have, I don't know, four or 500 members. But it all started because of a man who said, I can't think uh, in, a tr in a traditional way. I can't think as a, in an FM station of a mature church ministry i have to think about advancing with god and basically what i want to do is give the gospel 
and put a, a call out to see who God has touched to see if they're willing by faith to be used of God to go forward. And we have to change our thinking about that and our talking about it. We've got to change from the FM Mature Church to the AM uh, Advance with God. Well, yeah. you know, the, the real revolution has to be in our mind and heart. We have to think differently. We, we're so accustomed to, um, to getting organizational structures so that we get everything to be done that way. But I'm talking about a local church becoming the engine and the people getting that, that engine to start another church in, in evangelizing a small town in America. Evangelizing the small towns in America. I asked Mr. Zinker to come in today. Now he's working on a he's working on a project, and he looks like uh, somebody on, out, out on the, on the work project. But uh, James, instead of having you all dressed up and things like you're supposed to dress up from time to time, I want you to tell us what are you thinking when we're talking about this. Well, first of all, I apologize for the way I'm dressed, <laughs> but I appreciate the opportunity. I'm glad somebody's working. <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity. This is an amazing thing to think about because the small towns in America, many years ago, people would say, well, aren't most of the people in those towns already Christians? They've already heard the gospel a dozen times. But today you'll find in the small towns of America so much hopelessness and hurt, drug addiction, all of the horrible things you used to think about associated with the big city are now in our small towns. And a small town is able to be influenced. A small town is able to be reached. Think about what one local church could do in a small town. I grew up in a small town from a place um, less than 300 people perhaps. And think about what one church could do in a small town. A Teens for Christ Bible Club could be in the junior high, in the high school. Every teenager could know and hear the gospel. You could have a literacy program for children in elementary school and reach every child in that town with an understanding of the gospel. You could volunteer as a chaplain for the sheriff's department or the police department and meet people at their greatest point of need when they're in the most difficult trouble. You could offer to the funeral home to preach every funeral where someone doesn't have a home pastor and get the gospel to people who would never otherwise hear the gospel. You could volunteer at the fire department and chaplaincy positions, at the hospital as a chaplain. Every opportunity is there, not just to pastor a church, but to pastor an entire town, to influence an entire town with the power of the gospel. Now, all of the obstacles are there. We don't have a building. We don't have the money. We don't have the personnel. We don't have the workers. We barely have enough people to do what needs to be done on our church. May I say to you, because I've, I've experienced this, that the greatest help and boost and life-giving thing that could be done in your local church is for you to have the faith to step out and start a church in a small town because that is life-giving. Every healthy organism God designed, he designed to reproduce after its own kind. And a church by God was designed to reproduce. As Brother Tim mentioned a moment ago, not just to maintain but to advance. And so all of the obstacles you think, well, we don't have a building. May I tell you, there's, there's rarely a town today in America that doesn't have an empty church building, 
or a church building that's ready to be closed. And I believe if the pastors who are here, the local churches that are represented on this uh, Shepherd Summit today would step out in faith, you would see those obstacles turn into miracles. You would see God do amazing things that you never would even think of before. But God is preparing people. He's already working. He's already waiting to open doors if we just have the faith to walk through them. Well, don't you think that we have to change the way we think? Uh, change the way we think instead of uh, getting to the place where um, we, we contract people to do this work. We're doing it. And so uh, may God help us. And laborers are always the issue. Yes. But God will raise up laborers. That's right. I want Mr. Thompson to come over and sit beside me just a minute because Crown College is given for this. And um, we have a labor force at Crown College and we're training young people. And the fact is we're getting young people to think not just, not just about the great cities and the big metropolitan areas, but every place where they can serve the Lord. And so uh, I think of all the things God's allowed us to do here, we could train people to do all of this. And so what, what are you thinking while we're, having, we're dealing with this subject? What's, what's coming to your mind? Well, I'm thinking that everything that Pastor has uh, led us to do at Crown College is for this. This is what it's for. So not just, not just training the students who come, but also you're out there and you have people who need to be trained and we have the resources and, and materials and things that you need. Um, obviously, when you get this burden, you're going to start preaching differently. And I've heard our pastor, as our church has started other churches, I've heard him um, get the burden in the pulpit. And honestly, that's where it started. And through the preaching of God's word, people began to see the need and see how that many people, not just, not just the preachers, but everybody in the church essentially can have a part on these pioneer teams that go out to do God's work. And then you start realizing very quickly, well, we have to train these people. We have to train them how to win souls. Well, we have prepared materials for that. We have to train them in the Word of God if they're going to be able to teach. And we have the School of the Bible, for example, that some of you have implemented in your churches and many others could. And that's a training program in the Word of God to help build your people up. Uh, we have online programs that are available sometimes for people, as Brother Cart mentioned earlier. People may be called to preach, but they can't come here. We even have programs where they can study there. And uh, young people can really get the burden. And I hope you'll recommend young people who have a heart for God to Crown College because their lives can be so influenced and so transformed while they're here. They can come back and then be sent out of your church to do some amazing things. And that's what we've been seeing for the last 30 years. And we praise God for that, Pastor. I think when you start to love people, you love the Lord and love people, you get a burden for people. You can love an area, a small town, and take that town into your heart, and we can evangelize that town. And I don't think anything will set a church on fire more than that church making a goal of evangelizing a small town. Uh, it'll, it'll set the whole church on fire to serve God and to do what God wants them to do. It's, it just seems like an entire change of expectation. Instead of just coming like, I'm just here to be a part, I'm just here to, to listen, or I'm just here to get a blessing or to grow. 
everybody has a totally different expectation where they know we're here on a mission. Like God is doing something and we're, tr we're joining in on what God is doing. And that, that expectation level is just priceless. Well, can you get to the point where at least you'll pray and get some people to pray with you where you, you will pray that God will give you the town where you know a church needs to be planted and then begin to have people pray with you who would work on evangelizing that town. You can get New Testament church pioneers from your church to pioneer that church. And that New Testament church pioneer team would be the team that spearheads or leads the effort for the entire church in evangelizing that church. I'm just saying for you, I'm trying to get pastors to get the burden. Uh, my heart is heavy for my country and uh, for young people and for people who don't have any hope. And you know and I know it seems to be getting worse and we've got the seed, we've got the message, we've got, we just got to get it out of the barn and get it into the, get it into the field and it's there. Um, may God help us. There are other people who are taking on small towns and uh, the drug people trying to, trying to get into those towns and wreck and ruin the lives. We need to get the gospel into those towns and see what the gospel will do and bring hope to those young people and families. And you can do that. You can be used of God to do that. I know that. So let us evangelize the small towns of America. Let us pray that God will give us New Testament church pioneer teams and have the work of evangelizing those small towns. Pick the town. Pray about it. Get your people to pray. And they'll know of a town where a church needs to... You say, well, we have people driving 40 miles from that, that uh, small town to our church. Well, they need to get somebody going into that town to try to do in that one town what you're doing in your church, starting a New Testament church. Uh, may God help us. I, I've got so many things on my mind I want to do, but I know, I know this is something that God's given us. Lee Robertson was dying, 97 years old. And uh, when he was dying... He said to me, uh, Clarence, you need to do something. I said, Dr. Robertson, I'll do anything I believe God wants me to do. He said, you need to work in evangelizing the small towns in America. Everybody thinks about the big cities and the places, the metropolitan areas, getting the gospel. But it's the small towns. This is Lee Robertson. He said, it's the small towns that are being neglected. And it's the small towns where God wants to reach people and call people to his work. And I could tell you story after story after story of people that have been used mightily in God's work who were reaching a small town. And, and the Lord can use it. He can use you to do that, no doubt about it. I have these questions coming to us today. Is it your conviction that all churches ought to be, ought to at some point start other churches? Yes. How long has it been since you started a church out of your church? How long? Or is it dependent upon how to establish or how, to, how able the church is to start? The church will be strengthened as it, as it determines to start a church. You say, our church isn't all it ought to be. Well, it, it is becoming more of what it ought to be as it's engaging in starting a New Testament church, evangelizing a small town.
Another question, what criteria do you look for when considering a location for a new church plant? Population, business, religious landscape? I think you try to answer too many questions to begin with. You see, the Holy Spirit will lead you. He'll lead you to people. He'll lead you to a place. And the exciting thing in your life will be the miraculous thing God does when He initiates these things, when He gives you a place to meet, when He gives you some unlikely person who comes to the Lord, or maybe somebody's been backslidden or away from God, gets right with God. You, you will see one miracle after another miracle when, when you launch out for the Lord and God begins to answer prayer. Nothing, nothing's going to be done without prayer and dependence on the Holy Spirit. Nothing. And so may God help us. I've got more questions. Let me see if I can get them. John Jones asks, how can we support Max in this work? All right. Max Yama is going to a small town. I didn't want him to leave. I trained him. He's been here with me for years. But you know, he went to, he went to Key West one too many times. He went home one too many times. He got such a burden on his heart to do something for God there. And uh, when, the Lord, when the Lord leads you that way and, and presses upon your heart, you've got to do it. And uh, he convinced me that God was in the thing. And so I'm, I'm helping him. I want to help him. And, and I want you to help him. And uh, we, we want you to get involved. Take on the support of the church there in Key West, Florida. They're going to evangelize the town for the Lord, for His glory. And uh, you, I don't know how you function in your church. I don't know whether it's the pastor who recommends to the people or you've got some sort of mission team that you recommend to them. You do it. But you could, you could know exactly where Key West, Florida is. And they're going. He's going. His family's going. His wife and two little girls. And uh, I intend to stand with them and help them. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Now, it's easy just to pass that off. May God help you. There's another question someone asked. Is it possible for like-minded local churches to collaborate effort to reach small towns and planting churches? Will there be a difference with combined effort? I think that churches can combine their effort, more than one church. But who knows where this will go? Who knows? Who knows how it will develop? But once... You say in your church, we're going to evangelize a small town in our country and you take on a small town. You can, you can count on the fact that God will begin to work on other people's hearts and they'll get involved too. I don't have all the answers, but I just know the God who wants us to do this. And we've got to trust him and launch out in the deep to do it. Get that small town on your heart. Tell your people about it. They need, the, they need the gospel there. Uh, I, I'm not capable of all of this. I'm certainly not capable of very much of it. But I know this. We can reach the small towns of America from our churches. And your church can have a burden. Your people can have a burden. And they can see that as their personal responsibility to evangelize that small town and reach it with the gospel. One last question from Luke Shope. He asks, what are your thoughts on church revitalization, partnering with, partnering with a struggling church in a town and strengthening that church to evangelize that town? 
Well, 13 churches, they say, are closing every day. We're going to look up someday, and the buildings are going to be sold, and people disbanded, and God's work anemic. Yes, yes, there are many churches, many churches that need strengthening, strengthening the things which remain. But that's a part of this. There may be somebody in that small town. There may be a church where they used to have a church there. And uh, there may be an empty building or a place that w was a meeting place for a church. But you're not going to discover anything till you get off your seat and get out and try to do something. Then God begin to speak to you. When you move toward it, God begins to deal with you. I just want to see the evangelizing of small towns in America. Oh, me. What are we seeing in England, James? Can you come over here and tell me? What are we seeing in England? And uh, England is such a pitiful place. But we're going where they are. 500 church buildings are now occupied with the Muslim religion. Yes, in sir. London. Yes, sir. In London. You know, there's so many obstacles that we can find. We could say we don't have a building. We don't have the money. Uh, there are a group of over 300 people in Oxford, the Oxford Baptist, meeting in a tent. And so whatever the obstacles, God has the need met. He is able to perform miraculously in things. I would say just to the question that was given, I had the same question when we, we moved to England. And a very wise Christian man there told me, he said, be very discerning about um, trying to revive a church, he said, there's usually a reason why a church is, is really struggling. And he said, you must be very discerning before you pour lots of heart and energy and all the things into a church that simply wants someone to do the work they are not willing to do. So I think that's a, a very good question that was brought up, and much prayer and discernment is needed in, in these answers to questions. But God is doing the work in places where people think nothing can be done. And so I hope, as Pastor Sexton has really challenged us today, that we would be Mail willing address. to pray and see what God would have us do as far as starting a church. Well, you know, one thing you could do, here's a young man with us today, Max Yama. Max, come back here and have a seat, will you please? Max and his wife, Madison, and two little girls are going to Key West, Florida. They're going. They're leaving this week. They've packed all their things. They're pulling out of town. They're launching out by faith. You want to have a part in that? Begin to support them. You may support them for a period of time, or you may support them until you can do otherwise. Whatever it is, but start now supporting them. M-A-X, Max, Lama, L-L-A-M-A. -A. And here is a, an address for you. P.O. Box 5554, 5554, 5554, P.O. Box 5554, Key West, Florida, 33040, 33040. You can have a part in that. You know, how many of us are 
are griping and complaining about what's going wrong in America. And the truth of the matter is, the only remedy is the remedy of the gospel. The only thing that's going to change things is the word of God in prayer. That's all that's going to change it. So when you have an opportunity to do something with the word of God in prayer, do you know, if you, if you get on your heart, and you will on your heart a small town for your church, and then you get on the heart of your people, and they can begin to pray, and when they begin to pray, God begins to move. And as you zero in on that prayer for that small town, and the interest in that will grow and grow and grow. May God help us. Take on a town. You, you, your church, take on a town and say, we're going to go to this town for the Lord. And uh, Max, M-A-X, Max Lama, two L's, A-M-A, L-L-A-M-A, and P.O. Box 5554, Key West, Florida. And so as you're doing that, Key West, Florida, and the zip code 33040. I hope you'll write it down. I hope you'll help them. I hope that you'll begin to support them, pray for them. They're going to be there getting the work done. May God help us. I feel like we're shooting almost in the dark. And we're just hoping that it hits the target. And the target is your heart. You're the leader in that church. May God help you. I got a brand new book I want to send you. And I want to give it to you. It's what to look for in a life's mate. Most of you listening to me are married. But you've got some young people in your church who are trying to find the will of God in marriage. And I wrote this, 40 things from the book of Proverbs, 40 things that help people to understand more about what to look for. Not looking for a life's mate, but what to look for in a life's mate. And uh, there's somebody that needs this book. Why don't you send for it? If you'll send to me and tell me you'd like to have a copy of it, we'll mail it to you. It's absolutely free to you, but I want you to, to get it. It's a full-length book, What to Look For in a Life's Mate. I believe it'll be a great help to you. What to Look For in a Life's Mate. And get some, get some things like this in your hands so you can help people. Pray for me. I really need your prayers. And um, the time has never been shorter. The need has never been greater. And we can do something about it. And that something about it is uh, what we can do now. Remember the Baptist Friends Meeting, the International Baptist Friends Meeting, the 16th through the 19th, October 16th through the 19th, 2022. And the emphasis is on church planting and evangelism. And we're praying now that we'll have many people from churches bring their team, their New Testament church pioneer team that's going to go evangelize a small town 
and we're gonna, we're gonna put you full of things, materials and all that you can use in getting the gospel to that group of people in that small town. Pray about it all. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it so very much. I wish I could do better than I've done. But anyway, God bless you. We're praying for one another. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Baptist Friends Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. And join us next time as we continue to gather around truth, friendship, and world evangelism.